If we haven't met, I'm Jenna. I'm one of the pastors here. I'd love to meet you. Um, a dear friend of mine, whose name is Heidi, is, um, a, works as a part-time chaplain in a care facility in Canada. She's in Kingston, Ontario. And Any Canadians here? Woo-woo. Yeah, yeah. Woo-woo. <laughs> a couple. We just had some wannabes over at the warehouse. There weren't any for real. Um, so she works part-time as a chaplain in this care facility for aging elders. And um, some, of her, some of her residents are just aging. They're, they're just aging. Some are facing debilitating diagnoses. Some deal with dementia and Alzheimer's, as you can imagine. Um, and, and she really just shows up in ministry of presence each day to encounter whatever it is that she can bear witness to in the lives of these people. Heidi happens to be one of the only, she might be the only person I, I talk to every day, like outside of my household and my family. Um, we use the app Marco Polo to send video messages to each other. And so we just talk about normal stuff. Uh, we talk about what it's like to be parents, siblings, uh, daughters, spouses, moms, um, and pastors too. And so this day that I received this Marco Polo from her was one of the days that we, she shared with me a little bit of what was going on in her life of ministry. So that's how I heard this story. Last week on Thursday, um, she had just left Fairmount, which is the name of the care facility she's at. Um, she had come across a resident there who was calling for help. And this resident, her name is Anne. She was sitting in one of the communal sitting areas and what she knows of Anne, and she's sat with her before, she knows Anne is losing her memory, has very little of her, her mind left. Um, she, her, her hearing is going so much so that it's just really hard to communicate with her in general. So she hears Anne. She, she approaches Anne, says, Anne, is there something I can help you with? And um, she anticipates that Anne will will share with her something functional. I need to go to the bathroom. Can you take me back to my room? And she was prepared to help make one of those things happen. <clears throat> Instead, she was met with an earnest plea. I just need somebody to assure me that everything is going to be okay. Oh, Anne, it's Christ the King Sunday, and I'm Anne. It's Christ the King Sunday, and I just need somebody to assure me that everything's going to be okay. You too? Because everything doesn't seem okay. I don't have to lay it all out for you. You already know this, but I'll name a few things. Unrelenting wars and brutal, senseless violence across the world. Natural disasters across the world our own nation, divided, idolizing power, along with systemic injustice that seemingly goes unchecked and daily mass shootings that seemingly go unchecked. And then there's the personal stuff, and, and I don't need to name those for you. I know you're far too well acquainted with them. And then suddenly, this past week, we're offered an opportunity 
to sit around a table, around a giant hormone-filled turkey. (laughs) The smallest one I could find was 20 pounds that we've air fried. And we're mandated (laughs) to share out of the overflow of our hearts what we're holding with gratitude. And all the, one, all the while we're wondering, wait, is everything going to be okay though? And yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and now it's Christ the King Sunday. The good news is, this might just be the best day to be asking those questions, to be holding those deep difficulties and wonderings. Um, because... Christ the King Sunday responds to them, responds to them clearly, responds to them unashamedly, responds to them without apology, and I don't think you'll be able to miss it either. So I want you to listen. This is um, Revelation 4 and 5. It's part of a larger vision that the Apostle John shares um, and so that's where we'll, we'll start. We'll, we'll start with chapter 4. <clears throat> John says this, After this, I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me before like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I must show you what will take place after this. At once. I was in the spirit. And there in heaven, I saw a throne. And the one seated on the throne, there it looks like Jasper and Carnelian. Um, and around the throne, there's a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Around the throne are 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones are 24 elders dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne, there's something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne, and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature is like a lion. The second living creature is like an ox. The third living creature has a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature is like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes, all around and in, inside, day and night, they see, sing without ceasing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne singing, you are worthy Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. 
Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll, written on the inside and the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaim in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break the seven seals? And no one in heaven, on earth, under the earth, was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was able to open the scroll or look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, a lamb standing as though it had been slaughtered with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals, for you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels and elders surrounding the throne and the living creatures, they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under, and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. If you've been around Pillar for any length of time, I can bet you've heard this sermon before. I've heard it every year since I started at Pillar eight years ago, and I don't see that ending anytime soon. And I love it. This is what Pastor John says, and I love this too. The breadth of the gospel has no limit, and yet its center is always there. I think in this context, how I interpret that is, You'll hear a different sermon, but the same sermon every year on Christ the King Sunday. And it's good because we need it. I'm not just speaking for myself. We collectively need to hear this word every single year because every single year we need to know if everything's going to be okay. I think I could let just this text stand on its own today, actually. It could. But I'll add what hopefully are just a few more words. Um, words centering around this idea. All of this, this vision, isn't what you think it is. All of this isn't what you think it is. 
It's not where you think it is, and it's not when you think it is. When you hear the word revelation or you hear people talking about the book of Revelation, what comes to mind? The future, end times, maybe um, fire and brimstone, new heavens, new earth, somewhere, someday. At least that's what I think of. And, and yeah, it's in here, but, but we're not there yet. John opens this section of, of chapter 4 in his vision this way. After this, I looked. There in heaven, a door stood open. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me before with a sound like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what, mu- what must take place. Scholars who study this text all seem to agree on at least one point. This door isn't leading to something somewhere someday. It isn't high up in the sky and it isn't far away in the future. It is, this door is close enough to touch, feel, smell, taste. It's right here and it's right now. This week I I came across a poem by someone named Malcolm Geit. Do you recognize that name at all? He was actually here a few weeks ago in October. Um, He preached here. Uh, He's an English poet. He's an Anglican priest. He also happens to be the patron saint of Pastor Joel Borsma. (laughs) I'd like you to hear a word from Malcolm on this very notion, just the nowness of the heavenly realm. He just really, really gets it. I asked a new friend of mine, Justin, if he would come help us by reading it. Um, I asked Joel initially if he would read it because he just does love Malcolm Geith so much, and Joel said no. (laughs) He said, I am so open to the idea, and here's another idea. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, So I said, all right, give me the name of a college student. I would love to have help. And he said, oh, I got the guy. He gave me Justin's number. He said, Justin loves Malcolm Geith. I was like, sweet. So I meet Justin this morning. He's awesome. He, he says, I love Malcolm Guy. He's been formational for me for the last couple of years. And I was thinking, oh, Joel got to him. Like, obviously, he had bringing him in the way of Malcolm Guy. And um, I said, so how, uh, what year are you at Hope? And he said, freshman. <laughs> he got there all on his own. <laughs> anyway. Justin, thanks for reading this for us. This poem by Guy is called Heaven and Ordinary. Because high heaven made itself so low that I might glimpse it through a stable door or hear it bless me through a hammer blow and call me through the voices of the poor. Unbidden now, its hidden light breaks through amidst the clutter of the everyday, illuminating the things I thought I knew whose dark glass brightens even as I pray. Then this world's walls no longer stay my eyes. A veil is lifted likewise from my heart. The moment holds me in strange surprise. The gates of paradise are drawn apart. I see his tree with blossom on its bough, and nothing can be ordinary now. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. (laughs) Give Justin some love if you find him on your way out. Um, But maybe you heard it in there, too, a stable door, the gates of paradise, or maybe there in heaven a door stood open. 
an unveiling of a heart or maybe unveiling of a reality as it really is, our reality. Maybe you're not a poetry person, and that's okay because I am trying very hard to be a poetry person. And I found that poem all on my own. Um, But I also found this that I loved by N.T. Wright. Heaven and earth are not, in biblical theology, separated by a great gulf, as they are in much popular imagination. Heaven, God's sphere of reality, is right here, close beside us, intersecting with our ordinary reality. It's not so much like a door opening high up in the sky, far away. It's more like a door opening right in front of us, where before we could see only this room, this field, the street. Suddenly there's an opening leading to a different world and an invitation to come up and see what's going on. Maybe the bulk of this book of Revelation isn't just some sort of divine fortune-telling, grasping at what's to come and trying to bring our awareness to it all, like some complicated strand of Christmas lights that we're trying to unfurl and untangle and plug in to see where it all fits. That was a metaphor from this week as well. (laughs) The word itself, though, revelation, intends a revealing, um, an unveiling, if you will, making known to us here and now the reality that's just outside of our three-dimensional vision. And here's the point I want to make with all that, because after all, it is Christ the King Sunday. So Christ the King. Christ the King, born on the other side of a stable door. Christ the King, made incarnate from one side of the veil to the other. Christ the King, with whose last breath accompanied the complete obliteration of the veil in the temple, and in so doing, forever entwining the holy and the ordinary. Christ the King, risen and reigning at the right hand of God, the Lion of Judah, who is the Lamb that was slaughtered. Christ the King, here, now, available to us. And that matters. It matters for us individually as bearers of that Christ image. It matters for us as a community as we long for a better way. It matters for us as a world so prone to thinking that dark, darkness may actually have the final say this time. Sometimes I think we sense this Christ is king Um, reality in those particular moments of life. And maybe you know the ones I'm talking about. The birth. The the death. The wilderness backpacking experience. The mission trip. The worship night that you'll always remember. And yeah, the, the veil is thin. The door is open. We glimpse in those moments the reality that's just beyond our dimension. But outside of those moments, as spectacular as they are, they also seem so often to be really few and far in between. And outside of those moments and within those moments, 
we are continually invited to keep our eyes fixed on that reality, that blending of the holiness in the ordinary, living each day as though Christ is actually on the throne, participating in that reality that we can't see fully now. And you know how I know that we're participating in that reality that we can't see now? Because of chapter 5, verse 8. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. John's not talking about Mother Teresa. He's not talking about St. Augustine. He's not even talking about people, people in our lives and in the Christian faith who have died already and gone before. If you consider yourself a Christian, you're called a saint. You're a saint. You're in a room full of saints. A room full of saints whose prayers are being brought and placed before the throne of God in that reality as we speak in real time, here and now. You're already a part of that throne room because your prayers are a part of that throne room. And Christians, we, we need to hold this dual reality in tension because isn't it just so easy to despair? Isn't it way too easy to forget that there's one on the throne and that the veil between heaven and earth has been obliterated? Isn't it so just much too simple to keep our fists balled up tight, our jaws clenched, our control centers activated? But the only way of true and genuine connection to this current reality of Christ on the throne is the way actually of submission, of the lion becoming the lamb who was slaughtered, of living sacrifice, of giving up the power to the one who did just that and who, to the one who is worthy of it. The one in whom all things hold together now and forever. And guess what? It's, it, it's just better that way anyway. It's better for you and it's better for me. Um, and I, I had to check myself just this week in writing these words because I've taken hold again of the things that I really like to maintain control of. But there's freedom. There's freedom when we let go of the chaos and the manipulation of our lives And that kind of life, living in that way, is worship. And that kind of worship is what blends this vision, the vision of heaven um, with the ordinary, the mundane with the glory. Because in Christ, there's no such thing as ordinary, and there's no such thing as mundane. So what do we do? on the days that we wake up and it's not Christ the King Sunday. On the days that we find ourselves slipping into the monotony, the days that the pain does feel like it's overwhelming, on the days that we just need someone to assure us that everything's going to be okay. told you about my friend Heidi, who is chaplain in Canada, at this care facility, she's there during her rounds one day. She comes across Anne, who's calling for help. She's not there mentally much anymore. She struggles to hold a conversation with anybody. Anne's calling, help me. Heidi expects 
that she needs to use the bathroom or assistance with something else functional is prepared to step in and help. Because Heidi shared the story with me via Marco Polo, I just wanted to play for you now the audio of the way the rest of that, um, their conversation played out. And Heidi kind of picks up at the place where she encounters Anne. So I was like, but I asked, I was like, is there something you need help with, Anne? And she said, I just need someone to assure me that everything is going to be okay. Oh. I was like, Anne, look in my eyes. There's a lot of hard things going on right now. And no matter what, in the end, everything is going to be okay. In reflecting on this later with me too, Heidi, just shared that this very moment, this interaction was an example of the door opening, the veil being lifted. In a care facility, <laughs> doing her, thinking someone needs to go to the bathroom and this interaction happens instead. Heaven and earth colliding. And so what do we do? What do we do on days that aren't Christ the King, King Sunday and we're not coming to church hearing this word. <laughs> well, I think we, we read Revelation 4 and 5 again, as often as we need to. We let the promise sink in, the promise that even though there are a lot of hard things going on right now, everything will be okay no matter what, because Christ the King. And we watch and we wait for the doors to open, for, for the ordinary to become holy, for the mundane to become sacred, because Christ is King. Amen. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.